Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. ASU a winner, 82-70. It's considered a quad one win against Utah. Bobby Hurley loved it. I thought it was, you know, maybe our cleanest, best performance of the season on offense. Why was it clean? Frankie Collins, 19.7 rebounds, six assists, three steals, and a block as well. Jose Perez went four for five from three, 26 points on the night. Great job. ASU first place, 3-0 in the conference. Up next, home against Colorado tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. I think U of A got Tommy Lloyd's message. They dominated Colorado 97-50. They not only outshot Colorado 56-36%, but every miss went to U of A as well as they had 20 more rebounds. Head coach Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're a good defensive team. You know, you got to trust that. And, you know, you're going to have tough nights like we did. And, you know, and, and, and hey, look at, look at some of the shots we made tonight. Banking in threes and things like that. So he's happy. Larson had a great game as well. He had 18 points and seven boards. Up next, they're home against Utah. That's Saturday. Tip off at six. Grand Canyon's now 13 and one. Wow. They knocked off a bad Southern Utah team, 96-75, in which Grant Foster had 27 points, five rebounds. Up next for GCU, they're at Utah Tech, Saturday, seven o'clock. And that's enough winning. That's our three teams all won in college hoop, but what a terrible outing for the Yotes. They were a loser 5-1 against the Jets, gave up two in the first period, bounced back with a goal in the second, so you're going into the third period, you're only down 2-1 even though you played poorly. And they gave up three goals in the third. Wow, head coach Andre Turney. All game long we struggled to execute where our puck play was difficult. Even the simple play was difficult. I really think our execution hurt us a lot. Now the Coyotes drop one point out of the playoffs because Seattle beat Ottawa. However, Seattle doesn't play until Tuesday. So you can easily reclaim the last spot in the playoffs with a win coming up on Sunday as the Coyotes are at home. They take on the Jets face-off Sunday night at 5 o'clock. That's it. We're done. We got one game left coming up on Sunday. The Seattle Seahawks are in town. Safety and pro bowler, Buda Baker. This last game is going to be special, of course, just because, you know, it's the last one at State Farm Stadium this year for this team, and we're just trying to get a W, you know, so that's all that matters. If the Seahawks win and Green Bay loses, Hawks are in the playoffs. So this game matters Sunday, 225 in Glendale. They stunk in so many ways against the Clippers. Frank Vogel, what'd you see? A good film session. You know, just the process, uh, how the game went last night. Uh, it conjures a lot of positives in a loss. You know, and we felt that about, uh, about, about the game last night. We'll see if they learn something over the weekend. They got two games at home, Miami and Memphis tonight. The Heat, 7 o'clock. And finally... 
All right, three people in Philly decide to rob a smoke shop. How did it go? Well, not good, as they got away, but then cops came up on the vehicle, and as soon as they approached, the vehicle took off, chasing through the streets of Philadelphia. They catch up to the the van again, but when they catch up to it the second time, two guys split. One woman stays in the van and cooperates. One guy that ran off, boy, he's a thoroughbred. They caught him Less than a block away. (laughs) That didn't go well. But the third guy, he got away clean. Only to be arrested a couple hours later. Now, how did he get away and they still arrested him? Because he's such a caring man, he realized he left his dog in the van. (laughs) He came back to a crime scene to get the dog. And they said, oh, wait a minute. And they arrested him jackpot unplugged army i feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass whirlwind plus here's what you get you sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30 percent up to 60 percent off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, You can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Okay, I, you talk about strangely wired. Nine o'clock at nine. Nine o'clock at nine? Nine, that's already a bad show. Nine o'clock at night. Tip-off last night. I went to the game. I got home, I don't even know when, sometime around 12.30, and then was too jacked up to fall asleep. I, I didn't fall asleep until like 1.15. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of the most great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Hello, wonderful. I, I got a ton on my mind today. I have a ton to get through, and I, I know I'm going to fail. I think you're going to be highly entertained by my failure. I am on about 
two hours of sleep in a week that I've probably totaled about 15 hours this week. So I am in this strange haze right now. There's a little bit of an event for the media, and I don't know if it's for fans. So if you're a fan of the Rattlers and you know about it, then it is for fans. And if you're a fan of the Rattlers and you don't know about it, then it's not for you. <laughs> so I admit I don't remember. But they're having a, a kind of a walkthrough today. So I have my nice – I have a pair of my nice fat man slacks on. You know, the kind with the little stretchy – uh, waistband. The outfit today, uh, this is a little bit of a protest and a salute at the same time. If you can see it, this is a Grand Canyon shirt. If you're watching on here on WTSMTV.com. It's a Grand Canyon shirt, but it's a Marley's hat. Because I'm still bitter that they fired Dan. But there's two different decisions. Once you fire your head coach, now who are you going to get? You know, there's two different, those are two different decisions. And I think that they did a fantastic job on the coaching hire. So to kind of um, celebrate Coach Drew and how well they're playing, I wore the shirt for them, but I still wore a Dan hat to say I still don't like it. So that, that's kind of two and one. You get two and one today. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, can I invite you in? Uh, please come in studio. It's, uh, it's time for a ceremony here. I'll be there in just a minute. Okay. Well, then if you're going to come in in just a minute, I, I bet I know what that means. That means, go ahead and punch it. Thanks to 100 Mile Brewing Company. It is. I stepped on Jamaica. It is Beer Friday. Oh, it foamed up. Good save by me. This will obviously be mine. I'll let you come and open up yours. (laughs) Just in case there is a second foaming. I have made the I've taken the liberty, Jeff Weir production, of I get the Grand Canyon mug. Okay. As I have been to the bottom, you have not. I have not. I've never been to the top. Oh my gosh. Um Hundred Mile Brewing Company, Tempe, rural Scottsdale Road. I was not able to get the full mug or the full thing to fill up without taking a drink. So cheers, my friend. Cheers. And you got the Santa Monica uh, mu- uh, glass. Oh, yeah. That, that, one's, that one's, I admit, that one's lower tier, which is good because then it's always in the freezer. Like some of the more special mugs, they sit in a shelf and they only get used at parties and stuff. But the, uh, the everyday beer mugs, they are... Uh, ones that don't hold up as well. So uh, Santa, the Santa Monica one is is a wrap, and since it's a wrap, it's not as it's not as good as being a wrap. Uh, so th- therefore, I gave that one to Jeff, <laughs> and I and I took the uh, this is a nice one. Got a big Grand Canyon plate on it. So this is the A Mountain Amber Ale. My opinion. The, oh, thank you for the ceremonial beer Friday lighting. I meant to do that. As we were drinking, and I forgot. This is a Mountain Amber Ale. I honestly believe this is the best beer in the state. But to be fair, I I have a weird bias, and I say that not saying it for 100 Mile Brewing Company. Because you might say, well, of course you think it's their beer. They sponsor it. No, it's the exact opposite. I think it's the best beer, so I got them to sponsor. Um, Went after you know poor miss sue really hard to make sure that she starts advertising and uh but i bring that up because i i am one that i'm pretty particular 
if you are a better beer person than I am, you like a range of beers and have the taste buds for a range of beers. I don't. I there's some IPAs I like, I admit, but I just feel like that's someone's going to get mad at this. I look at IPAs as the little yuppies first adult beer. And so many IPAs have some kind of fruit in it. And it just drives me. Just make beer. If I want fruit punch, I'll go get some kind of sangria or something. All right? I want beer. Don't fruit my beer. So because of that, I'm not a huge IPA guy. But the, the fruitless ones, all right, I'll suck it up. So there's that. And then I hate coffee. So I don't like stouts at all. And a lot of nut browns and porters are still a little close to coffee. So when you have such a narrow scope, that doesn't make me a true beer snob, although I try to claim to be. But when we're talking about amber ales, beers with good malt, I, that's my wheelhouse. And to me, the best one in the state is the A-Mountain Amber Ale. So I love this beer. It's at 100 Mile Brewing Company, and they are the sponsors of Beer Friday. So thanks for getting that going. And a special toast to Jeff Weir Production and Izzy today, because today is a no email day. <laughs> now, a lot of you say, well, what, what does that mean? They know what that means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> Since I went, like, they're understanding. They're not mad at me, but at the same time, I know they feel like, hey, could you have done something today? Um, since I went to the ASU game last night with tip off at nine o'clock, there's no way I'm getting home at 12, 15, 1230 and then opening up the, uh, uh, iPad or the laptop and starting to watch play, uh, press conferences from that day. So I went home kind of early yesterday and then s- tried to sleep. I tried to sleep yesterday and I kept getting texts and phone calls and never really got a good nap and then went to the game. Uh, and I, I watched a couple football games, uh, bowl games that were still on the DVR. So I'm officially done with bowl games. So I took care of that and, uh, and then went to the game. Like, there's no, there's no way. And so I'm on about two, two and a half hours of sleep right now. So it's a little weird. But the beer makes the beer better uh, when you do that. Before we get really rolling, again, I'm sorry for those of you that say, Doug, please talk versus Vegas at the end so I can turn it off. Because a lot of you have hard opinions on gambling. And I, I support you on that. Um, I still think it should be legal, but I support you and your feelings on it. Yet, I got to tell you about last night. I don't know if you saw it, but versus Vegas, my two picks for yesterday is I thought Tommy Lloyd basically punched his own team in the face. I probably shouldn't say that because someone's going to take that literally. But he stepped on his kids, and they responded. There's a a 12.5-point spread. U of A crushed them. The other game that I went with is I liked Denver because there's a thing called the money line. That means you're not playing the spread. So you can bet on the favorite. So on the one hand, man, that's an easier bet. The favorite almost always wins. That's why they're the favorite. It's Vegas, right? However, Vegas doesn't give you your money back. Like if you go to a roulette wheel and you bet on black and it hits black, boom, you get your money back and then you get your bet doubled, really. So you bet five bucks, it hits, you get $10 back. Good system. That's not what it is when you bet on the favorite. Let's say you go out to the roulette wheel and there's, 36, there's, there's 38 numbers there. 
and 30 of them are black and eight of them are red. Hey, I'm betting on black. I'm betting five bucks on black. The guy goes, all right, spin it. And then he goes, congratulations. And then he gives you a dollar. <laughs> you keep your bet and he gives you a dollar. Like, wait, what? I got it. Yeah, you got it. And there was 29 other chances for you to get it. It's kind of like that. All right. Well, I looked at the Denver Nuggets and thought it's not very often they're going to be a favorite and you can play the money line in what's called the juice. Basically, the amount. Can you tell I always play black when I'm playing roulette? Um, The amount of numbers that were in favor of Denver were not nearly as many as normal. So therefore, that juice wasn't as bad. I think it was about minus 140. So what that means is if you give the house $140 and you hit it, they'll give you your money back and $100. So it's kind of like a, it's not a good sale. It's not a sale price. But I like those, I like that. When you get up to minus 190, minus 200, those are annoying numbers. I don't usually do that. So after seeing that, I thought, this is good value for a team like the Nuggets. Let's take it. I don't know if you saw the game last night. It's 127 to 120 with two minutes left. Warriors, 127, 120, right? It's over. I mean, it is over. Two minutes left in a game, down by seven. And then Watson hits a three. So now you're down by four. With a minute left, Gordon hits uh, uh, or dunks it. Now you're down by two. Jokic makes a little six-footer. Now you're now you're tied. All of that happened in two and a half minutes. Then Steph Curry threw a ball out of bounds or something. Nuggets get the ball back. So now it's Nuggets ball, I don't know, maybe five seconds left, something like that. 3.6. 3.6. Okay, thank you. Wow, good job. 3.6 seconds left. So the Nuggets were down seven. They've now tied it in the last one minute and 57 seconds. And here's Jokic. Wiggins here's got to keep Murray from getting it on the run going up the floor. Jokic has it. Clock takes, got to put one up. Jokic for the win. Oh, it's good! Jokic got it off in time! And the Nuggets win it! <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, number one, you can tell. Golden State's been playing pretty crappy lately. And yet, it doesn't matter. Even though the Nuggets are the reigning world champions, it's still kind of top dogs. I mean, Jokic won the world championship last year, and one of the first quotes he said after the game was, can I go home now? Like, wait, I have to do a parade? I want to go home. He wanted to go back to his home country. He was tired of it. He loves basketball, but but he doesn't love any of the glory behind it. And yet that little celebration, even for him, that little celebration and runaround, you could tell that jacked up the Nuggets. They go on a 10-0 run in the last two minutes of the game to stun the Warriors. And I, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, because I didn't watch the game at all. And then I'm at the uh, ASU game, and I see that pop up. And I say, oh, I wonder what happened. Hit, the fi- hit that play, and man, that was funny. That was awesome. So I'm in a, I'm in a great mood. And, uh, and then my weird little game here with the GCU shirt but the Marley hat. I think I'm on fire right now. The question is, will it last for the next one hour and 45 minutes? 
the juice on that is no way. Minus 190 juice, meaning, or the opposite, a, a total flame out is coming at some point today. All right. Sound credits today. I've got, I have no idea what I have. I just realized that. Bobby Hurley, probably from Sun Devil Sources YouTube page. Tommy Lloyd from the Arizona Wildcats YouTube page. We might have some Buda Baker from azcardinals.com. Frank Vogel from the Suns PR department. That was courtesy of TNT. I don't know what website we took it from, but TNT had the coverage of last night's Nuggets game. And uh, anything else you could think of, Jeff Weir Production? You nailed it once again. Wow. Wow. Have you ever heard that story about a dog and the butt and the sun? Yeah, that all happened right there. Um, anything in your life, Jeff Weir Production? Uh, just happy we made it to another Beer Friday. That's very true. That's, man, hey. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, I think that's it. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's Big One today. I'm going to go deep into looking at Cardinals versus Seahawks in a little bit, okay? That's not Doug's Big One. This is a strange Doug's Big One because my number one opinion isn't really an opinion. It's, boy, am I interested in something that we don't know yet, okay? Doug's Big One today is all about the two coordinators for the Arizona Cardinals. Where are they? Where are they? Now, at 622 in the morning, I'm not saying APB, where are they, okay? I'm, I'm reasonably confident Drew Pensick and Nick Rollis are in the office. I would hope at 623 in the morning, but maybe not. Um, I shouldn't tell you this story, but funny story. There were three different occasions where I got a phone call from the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs while I was at home on the toilet. <laughs> three times. Three different times. Like, what are you doing? And he goes, hey, I'm trying to win a championship. What are you doing? I'm on the toilet. I thought you were working. Why well, don't I have to be at work for a long time? Izzy, why are you, like, sneaking in? Just come on in. Izzy's way too nice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, look at all the work you did. Thank you. That was cool of you. Okay. Yeah. Do you want a beer or are you good? Okay. So far on – He never beer, wants a beer. So far on Beer Friday, Izzy is, has, has never had one. Never. I got I got a – you break this down with Izzy. I got to figure out what is it that he likes, or is it that he doesn't like anything? Like the, uh, I'm sure I'm going to get ripped for this, but hey, I'm Catholic, okay, so deal with it. Uh, the 19 year old will so, likes pina coladas, but she's never had a full one. She just kind of, oh yeah, that's that's good. Other than that, that kid doesn't drink. It's crazy. Like it's crazy. You try to get your kid to drink and they don't drink. Boy, here come the t- can, can you feel it? Here come the tweets and the emails on all that. All right, one. all right. Here come everything. Um, no, I, I am one of those parents that believe if you hold them in fear of alcohol, then they can't wait to experiment. And if you raise them with respect for it, then they understand it. Uh, I don't know why. I'm still on Doug's big one. I don't know why I got off on this tangent. But you, if you want parenting advice, and I'm being totally serious now, and Jeff Weir Production, you will actually really appreciate this now that you're a Phoenician, especially those of you with girls. At some point in your life, take your kids to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And I'm serious about this. Eight, nine, ten, all the way up through about 13 years old. And let them see 
how silicone, high heels, and grass and alcohol all mix together, okay? When they see these drunk women stooping around everywhere and falling down because they're top-heavy, and then you can explain this is what alcohol does. It's a wonderful eye-opener for a child. Wonderful. And they, they really go, oh, okay. I don't want that to happen to me. And I, I believe that you could really help them respect it. And then my, we also raised our kids very, very carefully as far as this is drinking in the home when you're safe. And then this is if you're going out. And it's a two totally different environments. Be smart about it. Yes, I drifted on that. I'm sorry. But going back to um, after that talk, I going back to Doug's big one when I don't even remember where I was. That's the flame out. That's the no sleep flame out. Jeff, what was I talking about? Do you remember? <laughs> don't ask me. I don't, I don't remember. Man, see that, <laughs> that that I'm glad that that's my number one big opinion. I just looked at my notes and I figured it out what it was. But isn't that crazy? I mean, that was a total brain flame out for being on the two and a half hours of sleep. The NFLPA, and again, more Cardinals later, but this is just Doug's big one. The NFLPA, do you remember that survey that really got a ton of attention because of how bad it made the Arizona Cardinals look? They did a survey to all of their players, feel free to respond. And the Cardinals as an organization was ranked in last place or close to last in almost every category. When it came to training facility, when it came to the practice facility, I shouldn't say training facility, more of the training area, the practice facility. And then where they really got dinged hard was the cafeteria, not the food, but the fact that they had to pay for dinner. Now, when I look at you, I kind of laugh thinking, why would millionaires think they should get a free dinner from a billionaire? I mean, couldn't we? There's some kind of weird situation there. However, 31 other owners bought dinner. 31 other owners looked at this as I've invested so much money into this football team. How much does it really cost me comparatively? to have a bunch of guys who their weight and body is very, very important, to have them eating whatever it is that keeps weight on, whatever it is that keeps them without bubbling over on weight, and I can control their meals, clean eating, and make sure they're ready to go. I want that. So the chef, in cooperation with the nutrition department, prepares the meals, and you take that to go. And that's your meal when you get home. And therefore, you as a player are better and more ready to play coming up on Sunday. 31 other owners thought that was important part of practice, training, and everything else. Michael Bidwill was the one guy that said, we're not doing that. Now, let, I mean, even this, is a, this story that I'm giving you right now is 14 months old, right? I, I'm just setting up the stage for what I'm going to talk about. But it still blows my mind. Because there's no way in the world, no way, that nobody in the Arizona Cardinals organization had, A, never worked in another organization, or if they did, heard this. But if somebody worked in another organization, they either were too scared to have the conversation with Michael Bidwill that you're doing it wrong, 
because Michael does so many other things wrong they didn't want to bring it up. Or they had the conversation with him and he shot it down. I mean, how mind-numbing is that? I would give Michael Bidwell the biggest break in the world if you're talking about five-time, six-time Super Bowl champion and perennial contender Arizona Cardinals. If the Patriots didn't pay for their team meals during the Brady era, if the Steelers didn't do it, you know, I would say, why should the Cardinals do it? These champions don't do it. 31 other teams said this is important to winning. One of the losingest franchises in all of North American professional sports says we don't need to do that. Okay, who's right? So I still, I love this NFLPA survey. I eat it up. Well, this year, the NFLPA survey rated coordinators. They asked every player that's offensive to rate your offensive coordinator in a bunch of different categories. They asked every defensive player to rate your defensive coordinator in a bunch of categories. And they asked everybody that's a mostly high-end special teams player to then rate their special teams coach. Now, here's what's brilliant. I got to give the NFLPA a ton of credit on this. They released only the top five coaches in each of those three categories and the reason why they did it is they said we want to help other nfl owners right before the playoffs now how does that help the owners the reason why they did this is that way right before the playoffs is when the coaching thing starts the coaching um interviews black monday is coming up in four days that's when coaches who haven't already been fired get fired at the end of the season now you've already got the panthers with the firing and the raiders with the firing so you'll and and then you'll have a a few more washington's almost a a a full-on guarantee with a new owner and a poorly performing team so you've got that okay well now the nflpa is saying hey owners here are people your players are saying do a great job coordinating not, not just because you're winning, meaning you communicate well, things like that. No Arizona Cardinal coaches are listed on this list that was released. Now, all 32 teams were ranked, so somewhere, Rodgers, Rawless, and Petsing are being ranked. But we don't know where they are. So my number one takeaway from this list is that none of them got ranked in the top five. Doug's big one isn't necessarily an opinion, although I gave you one about Michael Bidwell. My number one opinion today is just simply my massive amount of curiosity. I cannot wait till this survey goes public. I think this is a really interesting topic because where do these coordinators rank? If they all rank in the top 10, man, that's a fantastic story. A four-win team, and I, I, I think they're going to lose this weekend. A four-win team has all their coordinators ranked in the top 10? Wow, that's really something to build on. And everybody's trying to promote this feel-good build that's going on with the Cardinals. That's what they say publicly. But if that thing comes out and takes the knees out of one of the coaches – boy is that a tell that they've been full of crap about what they're promoting so are they going to be in the 30s are they going to be in nine or ten are two of them going to be great and one of them gets taken down i'm really interested in that survey 
Now, if you want to look at it from a national perspective, uh, Aaron Glenn won it. The defensive coordinator of the Lions was considered the number one coach out of all offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and special teams coordinators. So Glenn is number one. That's my number two takeaway. Number one is Cardinals. Number two is Aaron Glenn. Here's my number three takeaway, okay? Frank Smith of Miami is the number one offensive coordinator. Thomas Brown of Carolina is number two. Brian Schottenheimer of Dallas, number three. Brian Callahan of the Bengals, number four. Kellen Moore of the Chargers is number five. Takeaways from that. No Eric Bieniemy in the top five. Do you remember at the beginning of the year when the Washington offensive coordinator, there was grumblings going on? And then the ridiculous comment from Ron Rivera when he said, well, you know, you know, he's a hard guy. He's coming in, guns a-blazing, but me, Jack Del Rio, who was the defensive coordinator at the time, we've had coaching experience, so, you know, we, 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 we can handle situations a little differently, and, you know, he's a, he's a younger coach in an authoritative role. I was like, wait, what are you talking about? What, what kind of is that? You're basically blaming your offensive coordinator instead of backing up his hard ways. Maybe if you were a harder coach and dropped the hammer a little bit more on a bad team, maybe they wouldn't be bad. But it is interesting. In his first year as offensive coordinator without the shadow of Andy Reid, he didn't rank as a top five. Now, keep in mind, these are not who has the best offense. This is, and sometimes players don't like hard coaches. Sometimes players don't want to, don't want to admit it's their fault. So it could be Washington's guys are just whiners. I want to be fair to Eric Bieniemy, But I found it interesting he didn't make the list. The second thing I found interesting about this list Cowboys fire Kellen Moore, hire Brian Schottenheimer. Schottenheimer's number three. Kellen Moore's with the Chargers. He's number he's number five. Okay, that's kind of interesting. You said he's not good enough. He's still top five. And another takeaway is Thomas Brown of Carolina. Think about that. They're one of the worst offensive teams in football history. Yet their players are basically admitting It's either A, on me as an individual player, the coordinator's doing a great job and we're not, or B, they're they're blaming their quarterback. (laughs) They're blaming their general manager for not drafting C.J. Stroud, I guess. I I, I guess that's what it is. They're blaming David Tepper for not listening to what Frank Reich wanted. I think that's hilarious. I don't know which one it is, but at least their players are telling the world it's not the O.C.'s fault. So I found that really an interesting conversation of of the top five. I love that survey. And I don't think you're going to hear that from a lot of different places. I don't know if a lot of other people are going to find that entertaining. So I wanted to share that with you. All right, coming up next, I want to get into a lot of college basketball, a lot more Cardinals and Suns. We've got a lot to do on a beer Friday. Thanks to our friends at 100 Mile Brewing Company. They are in Tempe, Scottsdale Road, Rural Road at the 202, all right there behind Makayos. Flame out number two just happened because I have no idea what I was going to say next. So I'll just say, Whirlwind Golf Club and Wild Horse Pass. My name's Doug, and this is WTSFTV.com.
Here is Sue Rigler talking about game day at 100 Mile Brewing Company. Game day here at 100 Mile Brewing is less than a mile away from ASU. So game day, we have the hockey game at Mullet. We've got basketball at Desert Financial, and we have football at Sun Devil Stadium. We have free parking, and you can actually even walk over. We've got a parking garage with eight floors, so we'll never run out of parking, and it's free. So it's it's always a buzz and fun to, have, to watch the games here. 100 Mile Brewing Company. Fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Just sat here and was thinking, what is that noise? CEO Chris had slipped back in behind the Beer Friday sign, thanks to 100 Mile Brewing Company. Well, the the sign, thanks to uh, almost General David. I don't know what to do with the status of David, because he's only been to one uh, chartered um, official event. Okay, one. That's not general status. But who's giving me something as cool as that? So... I'm kind of partial to David, at least being Lieutenant Colonel. Having said that, um, Beer Friday, thanks to 100 Mile Brewing Company, I just, man, this A Mountain Amber Ale is good. I forgot what I was going to say. Flame out number three. You see, that's what happens. Without, like, normal sleep, now, for me, I realize normal sleep isn't normal, but normal sleep for me is about four hours, and now I'm on two and a half, and the brain just goes boom. I can't go into my tangents and then get back to the point I was on. That's now Jeff Weir Productions' job. Your job the rest of the show is to figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, thank you. That was, that was kind of cool. I, I wish you actually meant that. Like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, <laughs> thanks to these guys. They're running around like crazy trying to set up today's show when, I am, uh, when I'm not much help. Let's get to uh, ASU, U of A. Let's talk college hoop first. We'll start with uh, ASU last night. They were a winner, 82-70. to 70. Frankie Collins, wow. 19.7 board, six assists, three steals, and a block. ASU starts a four-guard lineup. Utah is big all over the place, and they, had six to, they won 6-2 in blocks. I thought that was phenomenal, and it had everything to do with the help defense yesterday from ASU. The game started off 5 nothing Utah with great ball movement and a clean alley-oop and then great ball movement and a three. And I don't mean this racially, but it's really what it felt like. At the beginning of the game, it felt like Hoosiers. I mean, remember how bad those kids were 
from Hickory at the beginning and Coach Dale turns them around and the first time the ball movement starts popping, pop, pop, pop. I mean, the, the kids on the floor, the ball movement was fantastic. It's five to nothing. And I got to tell you, I thought ASU, I don't normally jump to conclusions. I thought ASU was going to lose by 20. I mean, if I was live betting at the time, I would have easily thrown, I'm a $5 bet guy. And a lot of times when I give you versus Vegas numbers, I had forgotten to do it. Like I, I give you my bet uh, in the morning and, and then a, a lot of the time I don't get to it. So I, I think it's important for me to admit to you because I'm not a hardcore gambler. But if it was, if I had access and I was focused on making money, I would have easily thrown down 20 bucks on a huge spread that Utah wins early in that game. ASU was lost. And then suddenly the help defense and the hustle picks up defensively. I don't like Miller's shot selection at all. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Andre Miller, the offensive player. But, oh, my gosh, his defense was fantastic. It was so cool to watch a guy sell out on defense. And it became a really fun game to watch. A really fun game. And they shut down Utah's passing game. And then Utah switched to a 1-3-1 zone, and ASU maybe struggled for only a possession or two, and then figured it out. And then, like I said, Frankie Collins. One thing that concerned me in the postgame, Jose Perez admitted, he, he has what, what, what got him hot for three from three. He went four for five from three, scored 26 points in the game. And he said, well, I saw a lot of people on Twitter ripping me for passing up open threes. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't let Twitter affect your you game. You know, it's you talk about old man on the porch. This is totally old man on the porch who's wearing fat man pants today. Okay? I get it. I get it. And if Izzy coming up, iOS, Izzy on sports, 10 to noon, wants to torch me for being the old man, I deserve it. I admit it. Right now, I deserve it. But he's done it before. <laughs> and you know what? I think I think he's about eight to one. I think I deserved it eight times and I rebelliously disagree on one of them. But I don't remember the one because the eight times were too funny. Um, don't read Twitter and then let it affect your game. I, I really want you to think about this, Jose. If you allow Twitter to affect your game, you're actually admitting that guy who tweeted you is smarter than you about basketball. Think about it. That guy has a higher basketball IQ than you. Now, maybe he does. Okay, I'm not trying to protect you. I don't know you. But if you actually allow that to affect you, the only way it should affect you is if the guy's right. And why why not just listen to your coach? Don't do that. It's never going to go well. It's almost never going to go well because it really went well yesterday with him going four for five. Uh, Here's Bobby Hurley. This is the 150th time that he's won a game as the Arizona State head coach. He's only the third head coach in Arizona State history to get to that mark. And he mocked himself and said he should be at a lot more. Yeah, it was just great to share it with the team and the guys who were excited for it and and, uh, 
just I, I've 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 loved uh, coaching in, the, in this program, and uh, I told the guys I should have I should have about twenty or twenty five more wins. I I probably messed some up along the way, but I'm happy to be at this number. That's good. That's good. I should have had a lot more. I screwed them up, but I'm at 150. I, I, I seriously believe he's the greatest ASU basketball coach in history. Man, you might light me up for that because there's a lot of you that know a heck of a lot more about the history of Arizona State basketball. And I'll be the first one to say I thought he terribly underachieved coming out of COVID. And I still totally disagree with the freedom he allows weak shooters. I I think he's such a good man for these young men that he wants them to build confidence and uses the non-conference season to teach, learn, and get better and get ready for the conference season, uses the conference season to basically barely slip into the NCAA tournament, and then uses Dayton, Ohio, in order to pick up a win, in order to say, hey, I'm a winning NCAA head coach. Yet, look at, you can't underestimate the failure of ASU basketball in its history. Of course there's been a spurt here or there. No doubt about it. Of course there's good names hanging in the rafters at Arizona State. But overall, when it, when do you say Final Four means ASU? Sweets, I mean, and I'm being totally serious here. Against the backdrop of their history, this opinion makes no sense, okay? But a city this size... A university that big that's been around that long, how is it not a Sweet Six team, Sweet Sixteen team consistently? How are they not an always round of thirty-two? I mean, really think about that for a second. What is the excuse for ASU to not win a tournament game every year? Of course, there's going to be upsets. Of course, they're going to get in and lose to somebody they shouldn't. But a team like that, they should always be in the tournament and they should almost always win their first game. And since the history before Bobby Hurley is, it rarely happens, that's why I say Hurley is is the best. Um, but I, I would be interested in your opinion for a Town Hall Tuesday on whether or not I'm crazy. I mean, don't be personal and, and call me a jerk or an idiot. At, at the same time, I deserve a refresher if I'm way off on that opinion. Uh, number two, uh, this is Bobby Hurley talking about coming over and being able to change up in the last 10 days when you look at how poorly they had played coming out of the non-conference and now they're first place 3-0 and in the Pac-12. I think the, the group is, is learning to become a good basketball team and um, you know, with all the change we've had and the injuries, it's, it has really been difficult to to kind of bring it all together as soon as uh, we wanted to, but you could just see it happening. I mean, it's great to win like we did at Cal, but you know, we won today playing really good basketball and, and the ball was moving and guys were making shots. You're seeing the play more confidently. So um, a lot has changed just with our, our mindset, I think, over the last like 10 days or so. He had a really, really focused press conference. Really, folks, he came in and sat down and said, guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to be real quick, 
but uh, because it's a really late tip off and we've got to get ready for a good Colorado team and I want to do some work tonight and get to bed. So this is going to be so please don't think I'm being um, disinterested or short with your questions. I'm glad you're here. That was a classy move to say that. And then when he left, I, I, I hope you don't mind me saying this. This isn't um, in, in any way a kind of, uh, of a name drop, which I don't remember where that sound is. Arizona's no. ASU ripped Tulo. Sorry, Tulo. Remember, remember Troy Tulowitzki? Rip Tulo. <laughs> the big voice guys. I didn't like Troy Tulowitzki. I'm not trying to be a name dropper, but I consider Bobby Hurley a friend. And he was so focused last night that this is what I got. That, that was the extent of my greeting for Bobby Hurley. It was like he, he gets up with the presser. He's walking out. I stand up and I normally ask, hey, do you want to get a beer? But I wasn't going to ask nine o'clock at night and I wanted to go home. But before I could say nice one, hey, congrats on 150. Walk out with my friend, something like that. He just goes, and I'm like, okay. I know my place. I know my place. And then what do I do? I wear a GCU shirt coming in. So I'm sure you would have an opinion about that if he, uh, if he knew. Um, this, is, this is a good one if you're an ASU fan because you had a team come in that is very big, very strong, very well coached, and you have a four-guard lineup. And the help defense was so fantastic. The officiating last night for both teams was some of the worst I've seen in a while. It was – the Pac-12 is, is just embar- – well, America is embarrassing itself in every aspect of officiating. The officials are terrible, and it's our fault, and I blame myself too, for yelling at officials for so much, so often, because why would anybody want that job? I mean, nobody would want that job the way we treat officials. But they're bad. Those refs last night were – I mean, it was almost laughable. So you have that. You've got the injuries. You've got, is this player ineligible? No, he's now eligible. But, hey, if the judge rules differently, now he's out for the year. You know, blah, blah, blah. There's all this stuff. Uh, How does this work? Well, he talked yesterday about dealing with everything that's been thrown at him and now starting to move in the right direction. They showed a lot of determination in the Bay just to, to come back from a lot of adversity. We talked about dealing with adversity over Christmas and, and they responded. And, and, you know, tonight we were able to put a, like a really quality performance uh, together. Again, I, I feel like we looked like a really good team tonight. And, uh, you know, it's reflective in, in our numbers, you know, at the offensive end, our deflections, our steals. I think we had 10 steals again. So, you know, just doing a lot of good things that good teams do. There's a stat. I am not a Rick Pitino fan at all, but he is one of the greatest coaches in the history of basketball. I just don't like the man. But he is the first one I've ever heard with this stat. Now it's a stat that everybody has. They, they, everybody has a different term for it. But his stat was hands. Hands. And hands meant... Add these three numbers together. Blocks, steals, deflections. Any of those three numbers, add them together, assign it to a player. And he would have different different statisticians keep track of those stats. Hands. How active are you? I don't know what the deflection stat was, but they were at a 16 if you combine blocks and steals. 16 to 9 against Utah. And that doesn't even count deflections. 
That's impressive. And I'm going to keep screaming this thing. I think Bobby Hurley made a mistake at the beginning of the season, and I mean all the way back to camp getting ready for the year. He should have run these guys into the ground. They need to play 40 minutes of hell. That's the term for the old way that Nolan Richardson used to coach at Arkansas. Positionless basketball, fast break like crazy because your defense plays 94 feet and you just out-hustle everybody all the time. It's hard to play that way. Hard to be in shape to play that way. But ASU, I'm telling you, when it comes down to good basketball, good ball movement, good screens, taking good shots, I don't think they're very good. I don't. I mean, there's a lot of bad passes. There's a lot of iso ball. There's a lot of individual offensive play going on. But man, when they turn up their defense, they are lethal. They are so fast. They help so well. Now, if you say, okay, what does it mean to help? It's very simple, all right? If I'm guarding you, let's put Izzy and I together, okay? I'm a great defender as long as you don't move, all right? Because then I can get in your face, ball, 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 I got ball, I got ball, and I'm just such an obnoxious jerk that it's just hard to play against me. The problem is people in basketball move, and I don't. (laughs) So that's where the game loses me if I'm actually on the court. So Izzy blows by me, okay? He's not intimidated by a a six-foot-one slowest guy on the court playing power forward yelling. He doesn't let me guard him with my mouth. So he blows by me. So as Izzy gets by me, now it's the job of the other four guys to collapse and be able to pick up me by taking Izzy, forcing the ball out of Izzy's hands and all of us understanding the rotation of where does each person go? Because as each person leaves their man to bail me out, somebody has to bail that guy out. And I've got to hustle back and correctly find who's going to be left open after I had gave up the blow by. ASU not only did that well, but Utah has a great big in Carlson. And every time he was able to try to make a post-up move, there was a guard crashing down on him and driving him nuts. It was beautiful to watch. Their defense was fantastic last night. And I think they've got to keep turning that up. I'm going to keep saying it. I think they're going to win more games and they're not a good team. And that's exactly – I mean, Bobby Hurley would be so mad right now if he was talking, if he was sitting here. I want to be fair and tell you that Bobby Hurley would be blasting me. Do you see these guys work? I mean, do you understand what they're putting in? We're just building something, okay? Let them go. Let them build. Don't, don't declare us not a good team. We've got this. Hey, we got to work on this. we got to work on this. No, I, I just look and I say, this offense, Bobby, there's just not enough player movement, not enough ball movement, too much iso ball. But, wow, they score – on the fast break, they score off of steals. They score off the mismatches that are created, even if they don't full-on fast break three-on-two. By pushing the ball after a defensive stop, it screws up the other team's defense. Then it becomes just pick up who's close. And now you've got mismatches, and the individual usually does a good job taking on the mismatches. Last night, Alonzo Gaffney went 3-for-11. He's a He's got a decent stroke, but he has the worst knowledge I have seen of what is a good shot and a bad shot. The only person that's worse is Russell Westbrook. 
Russell Westbrook has no idea. The day, to this day, doesn't know the difference between a good shot and a bad shot. But if you take out Gaffney's three for 11, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't have done that because I don't know what it is. But the team shot 50%, all right? They were 30 of 60 from the field with Gaffney's three of 11. So whatever 47 divided by 59 is, is the answer. Okay, I'm going to ballpark that about 58%. But now it's driving me nuts. I have to, I have to know. What is 47? Oh, excuse me, Siri, I was wrong. Try that again. What is 27? Siri, just listen. What is 27 divided by 49? Okay, I said 58%, it was 55%. Yeah, okay, I don't need both of you to do that. Now the phone and the iPad are talking to me. Um, 55%, I said 58. That was bad. But you see, without his shooting, man, they were really good. All right, that's an ASU breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. They take on Colorado. This is a fun weekend. I got two more from yesterday if you want that. Oh, I do want that. Um, let me just finish that point. This is a fun weekend. Suns Miami tonight. ASU, U of A, and GCU all play tomorrow. GCU's in Utah against Utah Tech, but ASU and U of A are at home. And then Cardinals, Yotes, and Suns all play at home on Sunday. Don't you just love living here? Cardinals, Yotes, what do you want? You want NFL? Kind of NFL, the Cardinals. You want hockey? You want hoops. What do you want? We got it uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I totally forget what these are, but they were important to me yesterday. Uh, give me Bobby Hurley, if you would, from yesterday, Jeff Weir Production. Yeah, hey, I mean, I'm just, uh, I think I would probably think about all the teams and, and all the good moments and uh, the NCAA tournament teams and all the guys I coached and just be grateful and thankful that I had the opportunity to, to coach those guys and, you uh, you know, and so, yeah, I didn't realize that, but that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's him being asked, being told, he didn't know this, being told, if you win tomorrow, again, this question is from yesterday, you'll win your 150th game as ASU head coach. What does that say to you? And that was, that was, a, uh, that was a good answer. And then here's uh, another one from yesterday that I forgot, I admit. I think we all felt helpless in that first half like that's the word i would describe it um it it was one of those games where you know i I watched it again we got some good pretty good looks like on ball movement and the ball just didn't go in i think if you you stick to that script and you don't get off that script then you know hopefully like it's a two-way street right i mean if someone makes it the best pass in the world if the guy doesn't shoot it and make it then you can't get an assist so i think some of it came down to that but it, yeah also with with cal you know they we wanted to get them in a lot of ball screen and and frankie was able to really start attacking the paint especially in that second half so it didn't really require an, an assist in that uh, in that moment it's funny, I didn't remember what that quote was, and it was to my question. Um, I really love the stat assist-to-turnover ratio. I think it says so much about your team. And when I saw that ASU had three assists against Cal, I just that made me want to throw up. I just think that's so atrocious. But I didn't want to project my opinion into the question. So I just asked him, when you see your assist to turnover ratio from the weekend, what does it tell you? 
And to him, it was, we made good passes. People didn't hit open shots. And later on in the game, Frankie kind of took over by driving to the hoop. And there's no assist when you drive to the hoop off a screen. There is a cool analytic stat called SA, screen assist. You set a good enough screen that opens up somebody. And it's just a way to evaluate certain guys that aren't scorers, but help your offense score. And maybe they had good screen assists against Cal. All right, that's it for ASU. Let's do U of A. Full disclosure, I did not see the game. I hate to tell you that. It's really important to me that I watch everything for you. But this was an opportunity to go to a game last night, and I felt like I needed to do that, and I hadn't been to an ASU game yet. So I am going to watch yesterday's U of A game. I'll watch it over the weekend. But I really studied the box score and talked to, I admit, not a source, just a friend who's a U of A fan that gave me a little bit of a rundown of what he saw, and I respect his opinion. U of A wins 97-50. to These two stats, I think, are crazy. They're plus 20 in both stats. But if you combine them, just think about what this meant. U of A shot 56% from the floor. Colorado, 36%. U of A had 45 rebounds. Colorado had 25 rebounds. Now, what what do those two stats mean? The vast majority of shots from U of A went in. The vast majority of shots of Colorado did not. And then the vast majority of misses for either team, U of A got them. I mean, if you're going to miss that many shots, Colorado, at least get the board. There was nothing for Colorado. They couldn't get open looks. And the looks they were getting, they couldn't, that they missed, they couldn't get an offensive rebound. U of A literally dominated uh, Colorado. And that was big time. So the first one from Tommy Lloyd is, what did he think Arizona-Colorado heading into? How does this affect moving forward into Saturday's game against Utah? You know what? It doesn't matter. There's no plus minus in this deal. We won a conference game at home that we should win. So, you know, we got to come out in Saturday and we play a tough Utah team that's really good. So, you know, we, we got to be on edge. That is short and sweet, but basically it's simple. Guys, you won one game. The score is the, the record is one and zero this weekend. It's only two and one in the conference, and none of that beatdown relates to beating Utah. I, I really like the way Tommy Lloyd is coaching right now, and if he's being hard on the guys in the press, imagine how much harder he's being on the guys right now. The reason why I like it is I still believe there's Final Four talent on U of A. I don't think they're going to get there necessarily, but I think they're really, really good. And this is Tommy Lloyd not letting them get away with an inch because if he lets them get away, I don't think they're good enough to win a national championship without hard coaching. Sometimes you're just so over-talented that you can win on talent alone. Sometime it's just get some tweaks. Let's figure out how to play together. And once we have a smooth offense, a good rotation defensively, and good players, we're set up for success. This is going to be a hard, 
season for U of A. Not hard record-wise. They're going to have a great record. I mean a hard season in if they accept hard coaching, they're going to be extremely battle-tested for the end of the season for March Madness. And I think Tommy Lloyd is going to be this way. I think he kind of let them go a little bit in the non-conference, knowing our non-conference schedule was so hard. Let's just play it out, get battle-tested, and the results are what they are. But now, he's dropping the hammer a little bit, especially after a weekend loss in Northern California. All right, the next one uh, is Kylan Boswell. uh, Boswell. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I thought Kylan played well. I mean, you guys... Kylan's 18, you know, give, give him, give him some, have some grace, you know, give him some space, give him some time, let him develop. I mean, that, that's, you know, that, that's what we're doing. And he played really well today and, you know, hopefully he can continue to build on it, but you know, by no means is he a finished product. Standard answer, but it doesn't fly anymore. To be honest, it doesn't. Now it does for every coach, but not for me as media and fan. Here's why. We can't just say, give the guy a break, he'll develop, because how do we know where he's going to develop? The amount of players that bounce around to different high schools, the amount of players that bounce around to different AAU teams, the amount of players that bounce around to different colleges in the transfer portal. It can't just be sit back and let him develop, guys, because he might be gone and develop somewhere else. you got to produce now. But that's exactly how you try to keep players from leaving is by forcing everybody else to be patient with them to make it seem like you've got their back. So I disagree with him logically, totally agree with him coaching-wise, saying exactly what he said. And uh, lastly, now give us your breakdown, breakdown, breakdown on Saturday's game against a Ute team that's probably a little angry after losing to ASU. I mean, for sure. I mean, Utah's a really good program. You know, I mean, Craig's done a good job. It's, you know, you know, you know. obviously last year they, they really took care of us at, at Utah when we got back from Maui and they played great that day. And it was a little bit like, you know, our, our performance at Stanford. And so you tipped your hat to him and he had a good team last year. He's kind of got a lot of guys back. He's added a piece or two. You know, they're, they're playing with really big with a couple of seven footers. Uh, Carlson is, you know, he's become a, a really good player. I mean, he's sprinting and hitting threes in movement and he's hitting right hand jump hooks. You make a mistake, he dunks it on you. I mean, he's a good ball player. So they play him at the four and, you know, they have the lovering kid that was at Colorado last year at the five and then they know they have another five man Kata off the bench who's tough so no they, they present a lot of challenges they got a couple of knockdown shooters and experienced point guard and um you know i i think they're 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 definitely a, a ncaa tournament team for sure you know in, in my mind not even close they're really good if you're a u of a fan keep an eye on number 55 okay it, it's funny that he's got a big man number in 55 when you were in high school I don't know if high school rules have changed, but it used to be for 400 years in college and high school, you could only have a number that fit on one hand. What that means is if you were number like 56 or the number eight, those are all illegal numbers of the past. They're now legal. But eight, you have to use two hands to put up. It used to be one hand where you would go, if your number was 10, you could go one zero to the scorer's table. Now it's like, that's dumb. Just walk over there and tell them. If we got if we got a guy running the book that can't figure out what the number nine is when you go number nine, okay, then we got to get a new scores table. So now those numbers are legal. But fifty five used to be the jersey in junior high and high school that was the biggest jersey. 
because the numbers went up in size. 55 was the largest number you were allowed to play basketball with. So this is a guard with the number 55. But the reason why I'm bringing it up is he. this is a crazy stat to think that it's that important. He had four shot attempts yesterday. I, I bring that up because the defense from um, Adam Miller was so good. One of their gunners only shot four shots. I mean, you think about it sometimes when Devin Booker goes cold. Let's say Book goes one for seven. Let's say Book goes three for 15. He still got off 15 shots. Miller was so good. Madsen didn't even get off shots, let alone make them. So the reason why I'm interested in that matchup is twofold. A, what is Madsen and his coach going to do to get Madsen going after a bad game? And B, what is it that U of A sees that ASU did that they like and say, we can do that? Or what is it they say, no, that's not our style. We're going to do this and try to keep him from getting off. Because I was really – I'm not going to say that they got Utah got outcoached, but kind of because Bobby Hurley made the assessment of we're going to do our best in doubling down on Carlson, playing good post defense. We're not going to front him, but we're going to have guards drive down to him. But we're not going to ever leave Madsen. We're going to make sure that we don't get crushed by Carlson and we don't let Carlson get anybody else involved necessarily. But if he does, it will never be Madsen. We're not letting him dish it back out to Madsen. It was a, it was a great game plan. Now, what does U of A think? So if you're a U of A fan, you love basketball, and you really understand basketball, watch the matchup with number 55, and let's see how they do that. All right, coming up next, let's let's go football. Let's do a deep dive. I want to do Cardinals and Suns, and then we've got versus Vegas. From a Cardinal standpoint, some matchup numbers that are interesting going into the Seattle game. Why this game means so much to Seattle going into State Farm Stadium. And a little bit of Buda Baker, the Pro Bowler. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. This weekend, Jeff, for your production, what are you doing? I haven't thought about it yet. Oh. I'm just kind of a wing it person for the weekend. 
in other words, people tell you what you're doing? Well, typically they have. That's how it goes, yeah. <laughs> like, um, you come here, do this. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah exactly, exactly. I am... Uh, I'm excited. I I have a, a dinner uh, coming up with uh, with a family that is the. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Jeff. Have you ever heard of mock trial? Yes. Okay. Uh, McKenna was very very involved in mock trial while she was in high school, and the two people that ran mock trial for her high school, it was a teacher with a law degree. And, and I don't know if she ever was a lawyer. I don't know her life history. And her husband is a lawyer. And they just, they were so supportive, but so intelligent, worked so hard. And um, the father was a longtime listener of Doug and Wolf. So we've gotten to know each other a little bit. And they really wanted to get together because their daughter, they have a, quite a few kids. I don't remember how many. But they have, an, one of their daughters is a year older than intern McKenna. And she's in town from school mckenna doesn't go back to asu until next week i don't know what she's doing this week she's been in st louis all week like (laughs) typical parents well you know when you trust your kid like if mckenna was a bad kid i would know everything about her every second you know she's a good kid so it's just like hey what are you doing oh you're going to st louis should i have been involved in that wait you bought your own plane ticket oh All right. Now, maybe Jennifer bought it. I don't know. But she just told me, yeah, I'm going to St. Louis. Oh, okay. But in St. Louis, they have some big conference for Catholic college kids. And she decided, that's important to me. I'm going. Like, you're not going to tell your kid, no, you can't go spend time with Jesus. But at the same time, I'm, Jesus is free at home. You know, he's, he's free. And I'm not so sure Jesus is in St. Louis. Someone's gonna get. I'm saying a lot of things. Someone's gonna get fired up about. <laughs> but it's St. Louis. I mean, come on. There's got to be standards. So uh, she's been gone, but she comes back. Oh my gosh! I think I'm supposed to pick her up today. I didn't remember that. It's not on my calendar. I'm not guilty. Okay, okay good. Jennifer, it's not on the calendar. It does not say the official rule with the Franz household. I don't care what you tell me to do. Until it's on the calendar, it's not my responsibility. It is not on the calendar, but I think she comes home today. I'm supposed to get her. But anyway, um, this family said, hey, let's let's get the girls together and let's go do something. And I said, OK, so we're going uh, to dinner on Saturday. So I'm excited about that. It's a, it's a really fun family. So that's on Saturday. And then, of course, Sunday will be a hardcore work day. But no golf this weekend. But maybe it's time to take off. Do you realize there could be snow next week? Did anybody hear that? There's a chance there's that it'll snow Tuesday night or Monday night, Tuesday morning. Jeff Weir Production, I have to ask as a Tennessean, there are some hills around your part of the world. So maybe you know, but do you know how to drive on snow and ice? I do, but we lived in the Tennessee Valley. So typically when it snowed in Tennessee, we always missed it because we were down in the valley. Okay. okay. So it would snow all around us and we would miss it there in the valley. But every once in a while it would. Okay. So yeah, we, we're kind of experienced in it. Okay. Okay. So not as much of a, somebody from Ohio. Yeah. I was going like to say, that. you know, you know nothing. You were just being nice. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a pro. My kids have no idea how to do it. And I bring that up because, man, please be careful coming in on Tuesday morning. I am serious. Give yourself 20 extra minutes. If you get up Tuesday morning, give yourself 20 extra minutes to get into work if, you're, if you don't know what you're doing. And just admit it. Admit, I mean, you don't have to tell me personally, but 
admit it to yourself. This, this is, I'm not good at this and, and get 20 extra minutes in because the key to driving, there's two keys to drive. Well, I should say there's three, there's three keys to driving on ice and snow. Snow in the North doesn't matter because there's salt. The ice, okay, sometimes the salt isn't out there yet or it doesn't matter. And those of you that are in Arizona that live in Flagstaff, that's different. You're used to it. But the three keys are, number one, if you start to lose the back end, go with it. I know that makes no sense, okay? But if you can feel your back end start moving, turn into the back end, not against the back end. Obviously, I'm assuming you were losing your back end that way. But if your back end starts to slide this way, inexperienced drivers go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going right, let's turn left. No, no, that's when the back end swings around. To regain control of the back end, you got to keep the front end in front of the back end. That's rule number one. Rule number two is slow down. There's no such thing as the guy that says, you got to power through the ice. I got snow tires. Okay, you don't have ice tires, all right? doesn't matter your snow tires if they're not touching pavement. They're touching ice, all right? doesn't matter. So, therefore, you've got to be smart and make sure only slowing your speed can save you in that situation also it doesn't matter how fast you're going you're going to be going two miles an hour you can slide on ice but the catch is you can regain control sooner if you're going slower because you'll hit somewhere where there isn't ice and then i would say the last thing is the third most important thing is do not under any circumstances come up behind people because there's no, even if you know what you're doing, there's no way to assume that guy knows what he's doing. And he could overcompensate and spin out right in front of you. And then you got nowhere to go. And even though the wreck is their fault, you're the one that's got a, either a totaled car or you're the one that's driving a rental for a while. All right. So those are your three things. If you care about that, if I just wasted your time and either A, you already know, and I just sounded like an arrogant jerk, or B, you don't care? Like, Doug, do I listen to you for a weather report? No, you don't. You're right. But I care. So that's why I did that. <laughs> Give me Buddha one if you could, Jeff Weir Production. I'm really interested in this game because there's a lot of people that like the Cardinals winning this game, the feel-good after Philadelphia, and a lot of times terrible teams. They're not the ones that think, oh, this season's ending. I need to hurry up and leave. It's a team that's average that just found out they missed the playoffs. So, therefore, oh, go, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, me personally, uh, you, know, you know, just being injured, you know, um, I've never missed five games in my whole entire career, even in, you know, Little League, high school, college, never missed five games in a season. So, that was definitely something for me was trying to, of course, get back as fast as I can, but also, um, you know, when I come back, do my job and, and do it at a very high level. So, you know, that's been my whole mentality going in each and every week. And um, like you said, the splash plays, the, the those plays aren't haven't come. But, um, you know, I know I'm doing my job. You know, my peers around me know, my coaches and my teammates know. And that's that's the biggest thing for me. As long as they know, as long as you turn on that film and you see me doing the right thing each and every week that's all i care about that's a real interesting point that buddha is making there too let me go let me go deeper into that even though buddha you did kind of interrupt uh <laughs> that there Buddha's, how do i want to put this 
I don't think Buddha's getting heat, but he's probably feeling like it. But there are a lot of people in the NFL that are upset about Buda Baker being a pro bowler this year. They don't think he deserved it. He's got no picks at all, and the run defense is terrible. So you look at the safety, and you say, here are your two main jobs. Help plug the run, make plays on, uh, uh, in the pass game, and he looks like he hasn't done either. So people, this is totally true. A guy that should make the Pro Bowl almost always doesn't and gets a ton of attention for not making it when he deserved it. And then they get it the next year. And a guy who everybody knows is great might make it a year beyond where they should because you're just used to voting for him. It's not an excuse. People should only vote if they know what they're doing. Maybe Buddha didn't deserve it this year. And the stats say he doesn't. But that quote is basically straight of, I didn't make numeric plays, but I know everybody in this room believes I made the right play. Now let's flip that over and think about this logically. The Cardinals defense is so bad. Why would you challenge Buddha? Why? I mean... Even if you're, let's say you're an average to below average offense, okay? And you're walking down the street and there's this really smart looking dude at a picnic table, one of those cement picnic tables in a park with chess set up. And there's a seven-year-old with checkers set up. I don't care how old you are. Sit down with the checkers kid. King me, whoop him. Now you walk away a winner. All right. Why challenge yourself against Buddha when it's only about winning? This is only about winning. When I went to the first Ohio University, I'll never forget the prelim test, whatever it was called at pre-college, and I tested into a certain level of math. So they, they, they tried to sign me up for this math level, whatever it was. I think it was math like 180 or something like that. It was the highest level of math that was still a 100-level course, right? And, and I said, no, 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 I'm taking this, this math 113. And they go, no, no, you'll be bored to death. Don't, don't take that math. No, no, no. I said, wait, wait, wait. I'm judged by the grade. There are zero people in the world that's ever going to look and say, wow, young man, you challenged yourself by taking a harder math class your freshman year. Good job. They don't care. I'm taking math 113. Now, I don't want to tell you this part of the story. Okay? I don't want to tell you this part of the story. Because I love my college. And I don't want anybody to know what happened. But I walked in the first day of math 113. And the teacher explained the syllabus. Okay? And said, here's what we're going to do. And I was on quarters at Ohio University at the time. We got 10 weeks. And then we got finals. So... Monday through Thursday is the lesson. Friday is the test. You'll have 10 tests during the year because there's 10 Fridays. Then, after that, we're going to take 80% of your scores. The top eight tests that you took, we're going to put those together. We're going to drop your two lowest test scores. And then in their place, the final is going to be 20% of your grade. There you go. You take 10 tests, eight of them are your score, and then the finals, 20%. We all good? Okay, great. And we were done. So the first class is five minutes long. I went back to class on Tuesday. Man, I hope my parents aren't listening. I went back to class Tuesday. The teacher starts the lesson. Again, 
college math starts the lesson we're doing long division <laughs> i'm totally serious we walk in and there's division at least there were two digits in the divisor at least we had gone to that level but we're doing division in college i'm sorry i was a jerk i was a total jerk okay i didn't i wasn't loud but i was a jerk i got up i got up i'm like listen i'm not doing this i don't have time for this i have beer and i have basketball that i need to get to I, i walked out of the class I went. I never went to class again Monday through Thursday, and I showed up every Friday, took the test. All right? So I'm there every Friday, and finally, in week nine of the class, we're doing logarithms. Okay. If you only dabbled in logarithms in high school, and then you haven't been to a math class in about a year, and all of a sudden, you're doing logarithms? You ain't got jack. But since this was test nine, I just walked out of the exam. Like, okay, you're going to drop this. So I took an F that's going to be dropped. And then I showed up every day in the last week in order to figure out, okay, what am I doing here in this class? I got an A in the class. Thank you. Thank you. Was that entertaining? I don't, I don't know if it was. But the reason why I bring that up, why in the world would you test Buda Baker? Why go there? You don't have to show up against Buddha. Go attack everybody else. And that is so true with where this defense is. Okay, Buddha 2 is, does he see positive changes from the end of the Cliff regime that was terrible to a bad season record-wise that say he believes he made the right decision dropping the trade request, getting the contract extension, and staying as a Cardinal? Um, yeah, of course. You know, uh, I definitely uh, can appreciate, of course, Mon- Monty and, and JG. They do a, a great job of, um, you know, the team just believing and just working and grinding each and every week. We stay together even when adversity hits, you know, um, we stay together. There's no finger pointing. And that's what I love as a player. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're kind of like a family. So um, as long as we stay together and just continue to grind and continue taking one play at a time, you know, we can be great. So uh, that's the, that's the main goal. And, you know, very excited to, uh, you know, play in front of State Farm Stadium this last time this year. So this game, vitally important for the Seahawks. Something to watch if you're a fan that actually goes to games this year. God bless you for doing that. Is I would like to, for you to give me a report. Do you mind tweeting me during the game? At Doug, uh, Doug, at Doug Franz Unplugged. Are they showing the score of the Packers game? The reason why I'm asking that question, I have a theory, I think, is what's going to happen. If the Seahawks are winning, I think they show the score if the Bears are winning. Now, you might go, wait, what? Now, I'm sure there's going to be somebody on the sideline with a phone or a watch. Someone's going to cheat and have access. But the Seahawks have to win and the Packers have to lose. And they both kick off at the same time. So you don't want the Seahawks to know if they're still in the playoff hunt. But you'd love them to know if the Packers are up by 30, 
hey, this game doesn't matter. Go ahead and fall apart. Take everybody out. Cardinals can win in front of the home fans. So it's kind of a funny juxtaposition because if the Packers are losing, you don't want the Seahawks to know, oh my gosh, hey, hey, this is this is it. This is it. This is the game. Here we go. Something like that. Statistically, I'm really looking out for the defense. You know what I feel about defensive quarterback rating? How good do you make the other team's quarterback look? Cardinals are the second worst in the league. They give a quarterback 103 rating. Seahawks really aren't great. 91 rating is reasonably high. 90 is kind of the cutoff. You want to be below 90, but that's good for 20th. But here's something that's really impressive. I think yards per attempt is a great stat. Not yards per game, because you never know, is this team up big and they're running the football, or is this other team down and they're throwing it a lot more and it doesn't really establish the run game. Yards per attempt show, A, when you run the football, how do you do? When you've already chosen to run it, how do you do? The Cardinals are a whole yard better than Seattle. Cardinals average five yards per rush, and that's tied for first in football. The Seahawks are a yard worse at four, and that drops them all the way down to 20th in yards per attempt. And that's my main point about Drew Petzing against the Eagles. I felt like that was the first game where he got out of James Conner's way. It was almost like, okay, he did that in Pittsburgh, but that felt sentimental. This was Petzing to me actually coaching and realizing, why do I keep trying to win the game on Kyler's brain and arm when I can do so much more for Kyler by using James Conner. That is a weapon. And I've got an offensive line that's reasonably pathetic at protecting, but they're a good run-blocking line. And I, I'm hoping Petzing figured it out against the Eagles. So I really care about that stat going into this game. All right, let's do Suns. I haven't talked Suns yet. They have two games this weekend, Miami at home tonight, Memphis at home on Sunday. And the the big question is there's reports that Kevin Durant is questionable in tonight's game. Yesterday, we got an update from Coach that didn't tell us much. Yeah, he did a uh, no no contact parts of practice, and then they did some uh, some stuff with the medical team, you know, involving sprint work and really trying to test it out. Uh, he's still he's still meeting with them to uh, you know to report where that that is all is uh, at. So I don't have a listing for him right now, um, but by 5 p.m. today we'll have some. Even even just hearing hearing that he still got work to do. That's I'm sure sign is that there's yeah tweaking with them to see making progress, getting closer. Okay. Um. I said it before, I'll say it again. I think the Suns are the most talented team in basketball at the beginning of the season. I said that before the James Harden trade, and if Harden and Westbrook actually get along and everybody's happy, maybe it is the Clippers. But I didn't think they were going to win because not being healthy. And here we go, we got a health update on one of the three, and they rarely play together. So I'm interested to see if they play against Miami, especially a physical team like that. Uh, Coach, what did you think of – there's a lot of topic about your bench. And the previous game before the Clippers, you gave the game ball to the bench. What did you think about your role players against Miami? Definitely ways they can be better. Um but overall, you know, I thought we got some really positive energy from those guys, you know, and, uh, you know, our, our, vet, our vet guys or our, our, you know, starters, high-minute guys, whatever you want to call them, you know, they, they, get, they get juiced up, 
you know, when guys like Vol, guys like Messi, Keita, J.O., and they make uh, uh, whatever type of play, knocking down an open three, making an extra pass, diving on a loose ball, um, getting a key block. Uh, like had on hard and you know, that energizes our group, you know. So those guys, uh, you know, have a have a pivotal role in what we're trying to get done, especially when you got a guy like KD out. And so, um, you know, I think those guys did a good job. What are you looking for those guys to just accomplish now that that Brad's back and kind of what kind of focuses are you setting for some of those guys just to get done in this time? The role player? Yeah, yeah, role player. Yeah, I mean, everybody has has uh, you know different rules for what that role looks like. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they have to come in and they got to really execute the, you know, game plan, you know, at a, at a higher level while they're doing the energy things you know, that are, you know, lifting up our group. You know, there's just, uh, you know, a handful, too many breakdowns. And you know, we're not an everyday player. You know, sometimes, you know, it's, uh, you know, those habits take a little longer to build and be sharp on, you know, but, you know, we're going to raise the, you know, raise the bar on what's expected of them. Before I say this, these guys are human, these guys are human, these guys are human, okay? Before you rip an athlete and say, how do you not have energy? You get paid millions of dollars to play a game, let's go. Do you know how hard it is in the real world? I get it, and you're right. At the same time, there is a homeless person looking at you saying, how do you not have energy when you've got a home? You've got all this stuff going for you. You know, if I had your situation, you know, and then there's somebody else looking at an American who's got a huge, one of those big pots of water on their head because they had to walk a mile to get to a well just to bring water back to the family, and they do that every day. And then they go, do you know how much time I would have on my energy, how much more I could do raising revenue if I didn't have to walk a mile there and a mile back to get water? You know, like everybody thinks somebody else should have more energy when they're above them in a social status. But we never look at what somebody else thinks of us. We, t- we all take stuff for granted. Now that I did the politically correct thing and said that, I hate the conversation. The guys have to come in with energy. The role players. Everybody's got to have energy. What are you talking about? That's why you lost 35 to 20 in the first quarter. If we're coaching energy, we are not a world championship contender. If we've got to coach energy, we're nothing. We ain't got crap. I'm not ripping Frank Vogel. It's just well on top of they got to have energy. To even hear it influence, or, or, to hear it underlined, that drives me nuts. It does. As a bad player energy person, as I was in high school, I, I just hear that and it still turns me off every time. So I'm at the ASU game last night. And all of a sudden, this is kind of funny. The PA announcer, Jeff, says... And Sun Devil fans, we would like to welcome Pac-12 Zone and Phoenix Sun into the crowd tonight. Bowl, bowl. And they put bowl, bowl on the screen and he looks up. Oh, hey, like that. I don't think he knew he was going to be announced. And the crowd's like, oh, hey, bowl, bowl. The, all the attention he gets at Suns games and at a Sun Devil game, it was like, oh, hey, there's bowl, bowl. It's not like they're going to say go Ducks. That was hilarious to me. Well, Coach, not that you knew he was going to the ASU game, but what are your thoughts on the new role Bowl Bowl is having? Yeah, I thought offensively, you know, he was brilliant. You know, with his shot making, his playmaking, uh, stayed away from bad shots, stayed away from turnovers, and, you know, really, really made some high-level plays. You know, they showed us that he's somebody that can really help us. Um, you know, defensively, I thought – 
the guys made some tough shots over him. Uh, you know, but he's out there competing. You know what I mean? So I'm happy with his performance for sure. Let's bring in Steve McCollum and see if he hears this opinion and just absolutely loves the idea of ripping me for it or if he is in total agreement. He is the co-host of the main event. It's coming up with Dale Hellestray here in about 20 minutes. And Steve, my opinion on Bull, hi, my opinion, he had a good parade wave. My opinion on Bull Bull is he is an absolutely wonderful bench mascot. As like as that guy, you have a fun time cheering for. Oh look, hey, we're up by twenty. Bring in bull, bring in bull. But as an actual real life NBA contributor, you're not selling me on the bull bull how, thing. How do you say that though? When he's had two good games in a yeah. row and good minutes, I accept it. I mean, the stats say you're that, right to say that. Everybody but just, says what you say, and I've been on the bull bull wagon of he needs more than one minute a game. And literally, people on Twitter are like, "What are you stupid? Uh, he's a glorified you know point power forward. He can't play defense." And my argument is, either can the rest of the Suns. So put him out there <laughs> and see what he can do. And he's got two chances, and he's. Been good in bull chances. I am not in the crowd that is going to rip you for the opinion. <laughs> yeah, I get ripped a lot. <laughs> I'm just not so – I mean, I can't deny he had two good games. Yes. But it's just – I just don't see that being a consistent no, thing. No, 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 no. He, he's, he's your backup quarterback in the NFL. Three games you get out of him, and then you don't want to see him again for okay, a while. Okay, okay. Uh, no doubt about it, but yeah. we're 20, 30 games into the season and he's played two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's unacceptable. Uh, and I'm drawing a blank right now because uh, I'm not other than the Suns mindset. Yeah. But the other guy that they that they put in the middle, uh, like uh, sometimes they'll play uh, Bates Giop or uh, uh, no, no, or Adaku. Okay, he, he got a chance. Uh, what the other day, uh, last week? Oh, as a bouquet. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's um, okay. Yeah, it, coming up with that name this yeah. early in the morning was a little rough <laughs> off the top of your head. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but he went in and, and dominated the game. But he hasn't played at all You're right. all season. You're right. Uh, it, when your teams are struggling, throw some guys out there and see what they can You're do. Right. And see if you can get the juice, and you've got it. That's good coaching. And, and I'm not saying Bull Bull needs to start every game, and uh, you know he's our future. I'm not saying that yeah. at all. Yeah. But occasionally, throw him in there, see what he can do. Yeah. If he sucks, you take him out after three minutes. Good solid opinion. And again, I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, know, yeah. everybody, everybody's with you. I'm the lone wolf out yeah. there chatting Bull Bull. Well, I, I wouldn't say if you're if you're with me, you're just like not sold. But that's different than it sounds like people that are coming. Well, to you are sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bull Bull I mean, the, the opinion, I'm, like, I'm just not sold either way. Just yeah, the opinion is he's terrible. He's a glorified power forward. They don't need a power forward. Yeah. Uh, they don't need a guy that can go out there and shoot. And I would argue you do. Uh, and you saw that in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, at times, you need somebody else to come off the bench and dominate on that scoring side, uh, you know, and play a decent amount of defense, mm-hmm. more so than who was out there before. And it doesn't hurt. Those guys are on the bench. Some out there every once in a while, especially when you're struggling. See what they can do. Versus Vegas is coming up. I am not... I, I'm t- sorry to hear that. Hey, I went to a no. Thank you. <laughs> I am not touching the Cardinals. Again? But, yeah, I'm not touching that game. After I, I, last week? I, I don't bet just to say, oh, let's have action on the game. I bet if I think I know something, and yeah. usually I find out I don't. You're, you're completely wrong on the uh, Cardinals prediction earlier, by the way. Oh, what is that? I uh, Seahawks are not winning this football game. 
Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I think they are, but I, yeah. I don't know. It's Seahawks minus three, yeah. and you actually are now Cardinals. Let me let me let me cheat and find the juice. So you would be taking plus one twenty four juice on the money line. You the, say Cardinals win. The problem is is. Both defenses are god-awful terrible. They're two of the worst defenses in the league, both of them, both against the pass and against the run. Mm -hmm. Both offenses are better than average, I'd say. Average to better than average. They can put up some points. We've definitely seen that from the Cardinals lately. Uh, It's going to be a high-scoring affair. Uh, It's not going to be a typical uh, uh, Cardinals-Seahawks game where it's 6-3 or something like that. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. And if you had to put money on it, I would put the money on the Cardinals offense to come through at the end over the Seahawks. Seahawks offense right now with all their injuries and everything with Connor with the way Kyler's throwing the ball to Trey McBride to Dortch uh, you know who becomes uh, he's an he's a restricted free agent but still he's got those question marks on him uh, coming out here and I think their Cardinals offense is in a better state right now than the Seahawks and the Cardinals should win this game you trust Petzing to trust Connor well, I, I, yep. I'm still not sure if, if yeah. Drew understands what he's got with this running game. Well, I don't disagree. Now, can the offensive coordinator screw it up? 100%. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. But against the Eagles last week, he showed he had faith in them. I am not ripping the man in Petsing because when you've got that head, clearly he's got a bigger <laughs> brain than I do. <laughs> well, There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that. but sometimes you got a bigger brain. You don't use it. Oh, well, I don't know about that. You might be right. Uh, but I, just, I look at that <laughs> I'm brain not saying and say, him. I'm you've just got saying. to know. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to know. I love, I love the strength. I admit, I'm wussing out. I, I, you when are. I say I think, it's because I really don't know. And if I don't know, I'm just, oh, oh no, I don't, guess. don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be shocked if the Seahawks come in and win 30-3. Yeah. to three. It wouldn't be a shocker <laughs> at all, right? Especially because they do have something to play for. But if you look at this Cardinals team, and I have watched a lot of Seahawks ball this year, man, they're they're struggling right now. And their defense is just as bad as the Cardinals. So, And uh, that Cardinals offense against a good Eagles team last week uh, mm-hmm. put up a lot of points and ran the ball well. Let's see what happens. What Let's do, you, do it. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, Cardinals game. Any plans tonight? Tomorrow? Oh, no, yeah, no. Okay, okay. I don't do are, anything. Are you a hardcore tailgater? Do you hold no. court at the game, or do you just show up park walking? Oh, yeah, I show up uh, an hour before the game, walk in. Where we sit, we get in a little bit earlier, so then we have all the TVs are there so we can watch the earlier games. Uh, okay, you okay. Know, we, get, we get fair, you know, food, stuff like that. Uh, I used to tailgate all the time, but I got lazy as I got older, and it's uh, it sucks loading that stuff up, an hour drive across town, tearing it down. It just... It just Ruins your Sunday. I am a hardcore tailgater if I don't do any of the setup. Yeah, so what I started to do the last uh, year I really tailgated every game was, so they opened the park at like 10 o'clock. Okay. okay. I would show up at like 10.30 because everybody else we tailgated with would be there at opening to get a yeah. good spot yeah. on the grass because we tailgated on the grass. So they would set up. Then we would show up and they'd all come out and grab our stuff. And then by the time I <laughs> parked and walked in, they had everything set up. And I was like, oh, oh, guys, let me help. Oh, okay. Thanks, guys. And you stopped tailgating? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you yeah. just, that's a fantastic way to tailgate. It's uh, until the time switched till 2 o'clock when you have ASU games on top of yeah, it, yeah. Uh, plus every all your other kids' responsibilities. Uh, weekends were busier than the uh, weekdays, okay, and yeah. it just got a little tiring. I, I can I can certainly understand that. I am one where uh, my hardcore tailgating experience was Kansas City. Yes. And, man, was I a fan of that until 
it got cold. Yes. Now, I, full disclosure, as an Ohioan who moved to Alabama and now lives in Arizona, I'm the biggest cold wuss there is. <laughs> and so I'm in Kansas City after moving from Alabama, and I thought this just doesn't make sense the way these people the, – same thing, parking lot opens four hours before. Yeah. But most That's of an their, NFL rule, by the way. Yeah, most of their games are noon. Yeah. Some of them would get the 3 o'clock game. Yeah. But most of them are at noon. So then – People are there at 715 in a line that backs up on the interstate and you're just sitting there in a cold car or wasting gas trying to keep it heated. Well, and then on top of it, it. think about the prep you have to do, right? To get your food ready. Everybody brought their own stuff. Yes. The grill. You have to do all this stuff. And then after the game, you're tired. It was just an effort. It's kind of like camping where it's it's more prep work. Uh, You know, it's like uh, it's like my boat. You know, I I spent a weekend getting my boat ready to take it out for two days and it's. (laughs) just like it ain't worth it no more man all right i get it what's coming up on the main event Uh, look getting ready for the football weekend of course uh we're gonna cover nhl look uh keller got the all-star nod for the coyotes so um not not a shocker but um you know probably the best one deserving uh there they suck again uh, for the record Uh, back to a sucking side (laughs) islanders that was awful Good. Hey, have a good show. Have a good weekend. See you, man. Have fun. That is... Oh, 10 minutes early. 10 seconds early, Doug. Well, you can fill... You run me out early. If you you want to fill the last four seconds, go. No, I just wanted to complain for 12 seconds, 10 seconds, and then throw it to you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Versus Vegas, baby. (laughs) Versus Vegas. That was the best throw we've had yet. Are, are you are you saying that? Are you ripping Steve? Saying, "Hey, it was good to get rid of Steve early." Or are you saying, "No, Steve was perfect the way he threw. We're good." That's on you, Jeff. Weir production. <laughs> no comment. Oh wow! Look at that. Just the best throw we've had since. If you woke up this morning and said, "I need more Steve McCollum in my life," you're about to get. It. Eight o'clock this morning, eight to ten, the main event. Dale Hellestray as well, and then Ion Sports or IOS Izzy on Sports. I haven't done that in a while. I started off. I continually said Ion Sports because I'm thinking I. I am a fan of that name because of IOS. That's. I mean, that's just brilliant. That was not my idea before. As I say, it's brilliant. I, I wasn't trying to give myself credit. I get nothing. I had nothing to do with that. But Izzy on Sports, 10 to noon, six hours, local sports programming, only here on WTSMTV.com. All right, versus Vegas time. Thanks to the Jokic banked in 36-footer. I'm 2-0 yesterday. I thought listening to that press conference of Tommy Lloyd, the beatdown and how bad they played in Northern California, I thought for sure this is one of the easiest games of the year. They're going to run over Colorado. I took U of A minus the 12 and a half. Wildcats won by 47. (laughs) Did they cover that? They won 97.50. I had Denver on the money line, the banked in three. I get it. Denver wins 120 or 130, 127. So I go 2-0 on the day. I got five. I haven't had a five-gamer in a while. I got five games today to go over with you that I like for the weekend. But one of them is a reminder of an old one, okay? Now, here's what I mean by five games. I am not predicting necessarily a Seahawks-Cardinals winner. I think the Seahawks are winning. You could hear uh, Steve McCollum very much against that pick, strongly in favor of the Cardinals. However, my prediction on the season was an easy, guaranteed under 
four and a half wins. Like, I stood on the table and said, I don't even think they're going to win four games. But I know they're not going to win over four and a half. Well, as Vegas typically does, where are we right now? (laughs) That was a bold prediction. Hey, there's no way they're winning five games. They win today, or they win Sunday. They've won five games. So I have to bring that one back and put it on the ledger for this weekend of how bad that'll be. I never in a world anticipated Philly and Dallas. So it's like I can logically explain the pick to you that this is a three-win team that somehow beat Philly and Dallas, but it's where we are. So I need that loss to, to, to save any uh, sensitivities. So I got Cardinals under four and a half wins. The other games that are truly games of the weekend. With Denver winning on a banked-in three and then flying home to to face a very good but underrated Orlando team, I like Orlando with the points. No way am I picking a Denver loss. But Denver put a lot into that game, and I can see them getting off to a slow start. And then even though they come back and win, Orlando keeps it close. So I like Orlando plus the nine and a half. You get a lot of points on the back end of a back-to-back in a tough place to play, even though it's the Nuggets that are used to the altitude. I'll take Orlando plus the nine and a half. I've got one hockey. Winnipeg is the next game for the Coyotes. The Jets are in town coming up on Sunday. I like the Jets as an easy cover against Anaheim tonight. Good juice, plus 130 for a really good team against a really bad team as long as you take them to cover the one-and-a-half puck line. So I'm going to take Winnipeg covering the puck line tonight. And then two NFL games coming up for the weekend that I like. Houston only has to cover a point and a half on the road against the Colts. This is a meaningful game, but I I like the Texans. It's not very often we say, here's a pressure-packed game for the Houston Texans. I thought the spread was going to be a little bigger. So I I like the value there. I'm going to take Houston minus the one and a half and pray a little bit on that one. And then I couldn't believe this one. Carolina is just straight trash. I'm not here to stand on the uh, table and tell you Tampa Bay is great. And Tampa Bay's on the road. But only four and a half? Really? I I don't care if they're benching everybody. I don't care if they're playing everybody. I don't care if Todd Bowles is getting fired. I don't care what happens. I'm just looking at that and saying, that's Carolina. Really? So I'm going to take Tampa Bay minus the four and a half on the road. So I have one dog in Orlando uh, staying within the spread of nine and a half. And I have three road favorites covering Winnipeg, the Texans, and the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks as my four games that I'm playing or planning on playing today. And then, of course, having to handle you and being able to mock me if you're a hardcore Cardinals fan for standing on the table and saying they're not winning five games. And coming up Monday, I have to talk about them possibly winning five games. Technically, I am rooting against the Cardinals this week because I want to get that pick right, okay? But I'm not really rooting against you. Yes, I'm trying to save face a little bit. 
Thanks to everybody at 100 Mile Brewing Company. They're located in Tempe, rural Scottsdale Road 202, for the A Mountain Amber Ale, what I consider to be the best beer that's brewed in Arizona. There's also, if you haven't done it, call Parker and Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical, 6022 repair. That's 602, the number two, then R E P A I R for Parker and Sons. The reason why I say that is nobody buys air conditioners right now. And if you know yours really barely made it through everything from last brutal last summer, you get unbelievable savings right now if you call Parker and Sons. And I admit we're a huge Parker and Sons family. I mean, we got the reverse osmosis system. We've got some kind of salt water system. We got a, a tankless water heater. I don't know everything Jennifer bought. I admit it was expensive. But everything runs smoothly, and I know you can trust them. I'm friends with the family. Even though they're a big company, it's family locally owned and operated. That's Parker & Sons. So trust them with all your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Two things sound unbelievable right now. A breakfast burrito from Burrito Express. Amen. Yes. Or going to Bell's Nashville Kitchen and getting the Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich, maybe a little mac and cheese on the side. If you've never done it, get the mac and cheese with the mother clucker uh, chicken tenders cut up inside it. That's fantastic as well. You know what? I'm going to go there Tuesday. Big appointment on Tuesday. Get fired up. Hey, have a great weekend. You've earned it. The main event is up next. I'll see you Monday.